Hello, everyone. Welcome back. It's Julie Bates with the podcast, Training the Pointing Labrador, episode number 211. And in today's episode, I am going to talk about uh, two questions that I've had. So I guess it's sort of a listener question thing, but it's also very uh, uh, relevant to this time of year and, and uh, the things that are upcoming. So I had two questions. One was uh, with regard to, because you know, the Triple Crown, which is the APLA National, is coming up, and the Master National is coming up just right in a very close, similar time frame. And a lot of people are getting ready for one or both of those things. And uh, there's a lot, uh, there's a, that's a real nerve-wracking time if you've never, if you've never run a National, you know, and, and driven into that situation. It can be a little bit daunting. So what I'm going to do is just throw out some food for thought on how to suffer the least in terms of anxiety and worry and all the the jitters and negative thoughts and just craziness that can happen inside your head when you're going to do one of those because most of you that are running your dogs in this stuff are are running them at that level because you have a very strong connection with them and when you do then when you get wobbly and a little whatever you get full of anxiety or whatever it, it does definitely transfer to your dog and if that's not your normal operating mode when you're training and running the other events that you ran to qualify for that then it's different and if you're different then your dog is going to go oh this is different and may you know they may just be all reliable like always or they may you know go ah, i've never seen them do that before and wonder why and it's because they're wondering the same thing about you you know well, why i've never seen you like this what's what's wrong i'm i'm not sure anymore what we're doing so i just want to throw out some human preparation uh for things like that because anything that that we do that is performance based and is kind of high liability uh, is a little bit, no matter how cool you act, <laughs> it's a little bit daunting. You know, people that have already won gold medals in the Olympics get really nervous because when they have to go do it again, right, there's more pressure then than the first time. It's actually oftentimes worse. Um, so people that you think are doing just fine, you know, they may uh, just have a you know a film over themselves but it's just it's very common so for one know that wherever you're going and whatever you're going to do um most everybody else feels somewhat the same way the thing is is the people that prevail and get through that without letting it bother them it isn't that it's they're not having it and it's not a problem for them it's that they have understood okay that's part of the deal i'm gonna get this way i'm gonna have these kind of thoughts and these kind of feelings i'm not gonna be able to sleep you know, I'll have extra acid indigestion, whatever it is. Um, and so they know that going ahead. And so if you're, if you're, and if this is your first time doing one of these big events, you know, then sometimes you don't even know. Harken back maybe to your high school volleyball championship or something, a little bit like that, except that's a team thing. And this is just two of you in there together. But it would be good to, to uh, know you know, what your characteristics are and how you get. And think about that. I mean, I, that may sound silly, right? But but if you sit there and go, gosh, I always do this and then I don't sleep. And then I think of all the things that could happen that would take us out in the first series. Da -da -da -da. If, you know, 
Acknowledge that you do that. I would, if you want to, write it down on a piece of paper. I tend to think these kind of thoughts. I tend to do this kind of stuff. Then I have too many beers at the end of the day. And then, and write down the things that happen to you, right? So that, so that they're not popping up and surprising you at, at come time. It, it actually, forewarned is forearmed, right? So if you know you're going to be that way, you already have disarmed it a little bit by it won't surprise you so much when when something happens so that's one thing to do is just accept and realize all the ways that you that you do this now when you get to game day or game week or game weekend whatever it is when you get to that okay it, it training is over <laughs> you have been preparing for this for however long you've been doing it you have been preparing for it there's some things that in preparation I have always found in my doing these things that have been helpful and it's always far more simple than anything else because if you think about the state of mind that you want your dog to have when you go to the line every day every series if you think about the state of mind you want your dog to have the best way to let your dog have that is for you to have that in running the dog so and think about what state of mind that is. You can't just walk up there nervous and oh, mind. I remember the first time, and I won a qualifying uh, a long time ago with my first field, second field trial dog. And, and I was running the qualifying. And I can remember the last series was a water triple. And I could not hear anything but my heartbeat. That's all I could hear. And it was one, maybe the third or fourth qualifying I'd ever run. And oh my gosh, and I'm sitting there in the last series with Danny Farmer there and, and other people, and I'm just, I was so nervous, and, and all I, I just all I could hear my heartbeat. But I have been in sports all of my life, and so even though my heartbeat was so loud that I couldn't hear anything else, I could still see my dog, and I could still blow the whistle or whatever and point them straight. And I, but I just remember going, oh my gosh, like, Oh, I'm, I can't believe how nervous I am here in the last series. And, and uh, take a deep breath. And still, instead of focusing on how nervous I was, I was focusing on the marks that were going down. Or the blind, whatever the last series was. And just stayed on that. And I was already a high heart rate, all the stuff. Trying to put all the thought. Just never mind how nervous you are and who's standing behind you in the olden blinds. Just go run your dog. And that worked well because she went out and did all the did everything really nicely so <laughs> when you um you have to know you have to do the very best you can to have a state of mind that you want so that your dog does that and you want that to be one a very very uh simple not a bunch of stuff. You do not want a bunch of thoughts. You don't want your, let's just talk about your dog. We want the dog to sit down, face it in the direction that they need to be faced, seeing what they need to see, and allow to uh, percolate for a moment or two, right? Don't go faster than you normally go. That's what everybody does, right? When they get nervous, everything speeds up. Your, your tone, your voice is louder, you move faster, you handle faster, you blow the whistle, all that stuff. It, take a deep breath or two and let it let when you walk up to the line and sit down let your dog look at stuff you know granted in you know, the two events i'm talking about you you can't sit there and show them stuff and sit there a long time but you can let them up come up and sit down and watch everything real closely let them see the picture let them kind of settle and so also you maybe 
can settle a little bit. Let them relax before you signal for things so that they're ready to watch all the birds go down. Something that simple is actually really important. So in the days leading up to these things, practice that same thing in your training. Walk up, sit down, let them get the picture, whatever it is you're doing. Take an extra breath, take an extra moment, and make sure that they tell, have told you, okay, I've got this. Pay attention to what they're saying instead of, oh my God, next week I take off for Oregon or whatever it is. Don't, just don't do that. Just run, if you have a triple out there, just run those three singles, right? They're just three single birds out there. And if you keep, get that as simple as you can in your mind and really just, I'm going to, this is going to sound real, just steep into it like a tea bag, right? Just let it settle in there for a minute so that you sort of connect with the set of marks or the blinds or the upland field or whatever you have out there. You just sort of connect with it first because animals do that. We don't, you know, we thinking about everything, worrying about everything. Animals don't. Uh, they actually connect with the natural world out there. And there's a level of communication and understanding going on between them and that that most of us do not have. So let them get that. Let them just steep a little bit in what they're looking at, settle in. And they'll tell you whether it's by taking an, uh, one last exhale or they just drop a little bit in the shoulders or something, but they tell you, okay, I'm ready. So see if you can just notice things like that and focus on that, which requires that you also just be focused on one thing as well. Really important when things get real, real scary. And once you make that a little bit of a habit, whenever I'm real nervous, I fall into these kind of steps and I do this, uh, pretty soon it does become built in second nature. So even if you're scared to death, you know, and whatever, you have this way of dealing with these things. But really what you want is simplicity of thought. Certainly in your dog. So don't be moving them all around and telling them all kind of stuff and doing a lot of talking and doing a lot of stuff because now they have to listen and respond and think and, and you got all this stuff going on instead of letting them just connect with what's about to happen. So if, you, if that doesn't make any sense to you, then never mind. But if it does, it's a really big deal. It makes a difference sometimes on that last third retired gun that it's going to be so hard. Um, let them connect with it somehow. There's stuff going on again between animals and the natural world that we're not necessarily a part of and you've got to let that kind of stuff happen. Just try it and see when you're doing it. So that's one way to deal with nervousness is to take the focus off of yourself and you and let this dog do the settling in. And by definition, you have to settle in a little bit. You get the picture. You've watched all the dogs in front of you run. You know where the birds are probably going to be. You know how this works. So now let's just make sure your dog gets to see it and know it and understand it the same way as you do. So that's a real important thing when you're doing any of this is to have that really simple state of mind. And one of the most helpful things, and I mentioned this in my uh, Triple Crown preparation podcast that I gave, is in the days leading up to this, do conceptual simple things, in my opinion. Um, don't be doing triples with double blinds and poison bird this and that all at the same time where something could go wrong and then you got to get after them and then, then they kind of get shaken up and then you get shaken up and you're going, oh, this dog isn't even ready. What are we doing going to this thing? Don't do that. Go do things for both of you. 
that are going to be straightforward and clearly understood. You know, if you want to do, do a great big channel water blind, no tricky, dicky, scary stuff where they're going to get in trouble or you got to get after them. Try to do something where there's the picture. I really like to get a picture so they look out and go, oh, I see that. I get that. Because that's the mindset I want standing on the line at the national. That's the mindset I want. So they look out and they get the picture. So in your prep, when you simplify, don't be out doing the hardest stuff. You don't go ahead and have triples or quads out there if you need to, but do, do them as singles. You know, and then just do the blinds afterwards after all that's done where there's not, in other words, let them see the picture. Let them feel like they've got this mastered. They have connected with all this stuff. They're not overwhelmed by it. There's no fear-inducing things where, oh, no, I could get in trouble on this one. I just know it. You don't really want that going in to your final you know, dog Olympics here. You don't want that. You want both of you feeling, ha having had some success. You know, there's going to be baubles under there because we're all human or canine, right? There's going to be baubles. But you're not going to have a disaster happen. Don't let that happen. Make sure that, that, that there's confidence, a sense of mastery, a sense of you guys working together, a sense of this settling on the line, getting the picture and kind of connecting with what the setup is um that's just a really makes things better and i've watched the really great the really really great uh field trial guys the ones that are going to be the hall of fame you guys i mean i've watched them do that and it's just like what I, i'm watching them on the line and nothing's happening and they're like what are they doing signal you know but they're doing that steeping thing where the dog is looking out and getting the picture and and absorbing that and connecting with it and so are they and they're letting their dog do it so that's just something at least try it a little bit but in your prep going in there also make sure that both of you has a fair what's what's behind you uh before you go in is is where it was just clicking the music was playing right and they were they were marking stuff and they were taking the cast and they were getting what they were understanding and you know even enjoying it and doing the right thing and if you do that with simple stuff instead of killer hard stuff um, then you both feel a little bit better it's a great way to go in with failure with I can do this most of all with the confidence and belief you know if a dog thinks they can do something I've played that so many times I've had dogs that were maybe slightly substandard but they didn't know it and they just figured they could do anything and so they did you know and and uh, that's a really nice way. That, that's, a, that's like a Rudy in the Notre Dame football thing almost, you know. It's like if somebody thinks they can, they probably can. So do that with your dog and do that with yourself. So you can go in and do the hard things or the tricky things. Or if something unexpected comes up, man, you can just deal with it because you guys have already connected with what this setup is and what you're doing. So I would say that's one thing that I would... Uh, I would do to get ready is that kind of stuff um, the other thing is and I'm gonna weigh in now and this is just me uh, don't go tie one on uh, the night before or every night I mean this is an athletic event this is a performance event you know your dog needs lots of correct nutrition and water and rest and so do you 
and I, my own clients, you know, I've, I've just threatened them. Don't you dare come in here with a hangover or something. Because, I mean, can you imagine? <laughs> You're going to go to the Olympics and you have a hangover. No, no, no. I mean, and for the, I don't know the elevation of the Master National, but ours is about 9,000 feet. So don't do any uh, stuff like that. Kind of come in there like you're an athlete and your dog's an athlete and, and save it for the celebration when you get all the way to the end and finish. Um, make sure that you feel the way that you want your dog to feel. Right? You don't want them to feel like, oh, God, I'm a headache. How did I hurt my toe? Oh, this is, don't, you don't want that. You want them feeling like a million bucks, right? And their mind is entirely on the game at hand. They connect with whatever's going on out in the field in front of them. And they feel really good. And that requires that you do that. So those are my suggestions on preparing for this stuff. Mostly and tune out all the outside, everybody telling you everything you need to know. If you got this far, you know what you're doing. So kind of instead of external, go internal into, you know, okay, how am I going to be when I'm nervous? What do I want to do to counter that? What can I do to get my dog confident and, and in the best place and the best state of mind I can I can possibly be going in focus on that get other people to help you if you need it but just be real careful about well-intentioned well I've done it eight times and so what what you need to do is um, really come from an authentic place inside of you so you and your dog go do this thing really well just the way that you would like to so that's a that's the first one that that uh, I wanted to address that I talked about someone with the second one is, um, oddly, uh, and I got a question again from somebody, because uh, there's a lot of, in the American Pony Lab Association, right, since I'm on the board there, I get involved in a little bit of everything, and there's a lot of judges type uh, stuff and rules discussion and all that going on, and, and I was in a discussion with someone that was like, well, what, we, you know, how do you know when you're a good judge? How, you know, what makes a good judge? And... You know, how do I know? Am I that? Am I not that? Am I terrible and I don't know it or whatever? And I just thought I would discuss that too. Um, and the only reason that I'm waxing in on, weighing in, well, weighing in on this is just because I've run these for so long and I've judged field trials and I've, uh, I've never judged uh, AKC hunt tests because as a pro you never could. And then I've judged um, a lot in the APLA. So I've judged a lot, but I've run more, way more, right? I've run literally thousands of series of these things. And so I'm just, just based on having done it a lot and, and played the game for a long time fairly successfully, um, the, the definition of a good judge. Basically, most people really think that they are um, pretty darn good. <laughs> they do. And there you go. We're done. So when you think that you've got it and you're very good at this, then you have stopped improving. You have stopped um, finding out what you could do better. You have, you're not looking for places that need to be expanded and made better, more knowledge, more understanding, just more experience. So I've never met anyone that told me they didn't think they were a very good judge. <laughs> and I've met lots of people who thought they were great. And... Uh, I've, I would say I've known a number of what I thought were truly seasoned veteran judges who, who knew what their role was and were good at what they did, I, but not, not a lot. 
So I'm just going to talk about that. It's just my opinion. So it's worth every dime you're paying for it, right? Um, just to talk about that. Because what I see in, you know, everybody, I, I guess people like to judge because it makes you be like the one in the know, I guess. You're the guy that everybody has to impress and, and pass, pass the standards and all that kind of stuff. I, I don't know. It's like means you're one of the, one of the cool guys, I guess. Judging is really hard. I don't know why people want to do it. I'm not clamoring out there trying to judge more stuff. It's hard. It's hard to pay that much attention. It's hard to keep yourself unbiased and to keep yourself in the middle ground where you're ethical ground where you're supposed to be. Um, I think it's, I'd much rather be running dogs than judging. It's, it's way easier. But to, to judge well means you need to first understand the big picture. It isn't now you're the guy in the know and it's really cool because the dogs are all going to have to do what you say and, and everybody and they're all worried and everybody wants you to, you know, I, man, no, if that's, if that's why you're judging, you're wrong, 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 wrong. Um, that it's never going to work that way. You have to go in there, in my opinion, very humble and very hungry going, all right, I've just started judging. I've only been judging a few years. Shoot, I've only been judging five years, uh, six years. I, I, that's not a lot in terms of the experience thing, unless you're a professional. If, you, if you're a pro handler and, and a, you know, a decent one and you set, do setups all day every day and you run dogs all day every day, all right, you've seen a lot of stuff. But I'm talking about the little one-off, two-offs that have a couple dogs and now they're, they're judges. And, you know, I'm just going to blunder on into this like I do everything else. Uh, titling a couple dogs does not make you a good judge. It makes you a good handler that's titled two dogs. If you did the, the handling and the training. If you didn't do the training, now we really shrunk down <laughs> because you are out, out there doing those setups every day and going, wow, that was terrible. That did not work. So I think people that need to be humble and hungry and don't think they know everything. Um, <laughs> that's important. They uh, shouldn't, I, I don't think a good judge views themselves as your mentor and they will help you, grasshopper, get from your naive stage to their stage. I, that is not a good judge. <laughs> that is not. I remember running some some masters uh, where the, the judge from was another state, had no idea who I was, told me, you know, you should learn how to train your dogs with decoys because I had one that was scared of them. Just giving me a lecture. And I just remember looking at her going, you don't even, okay, thank you. <laughs> it's like, what? I do know a little bit about decoys and dogs. Okay, but the, but the desire to be the all-knowing and helpful one usually makes a fool out of people um, unless, I guess, somebody comes up and asks you. Um, otherwise, and even then, you know, you're judging. You're not the, the teacher there. So I view that as a real negative thing. Judges bestowing their great knowledge on all the poor grasshoppers out there. Uh, that's just an ego thing. So when you got that ego in there, you do not have a good judge. You do not have someone that is unbiased, that understands the big picture, and is going to do their level best to evaluate the dog's performance based on what the organization's standards are, and hopefully based on a very good setup that tests those things that the organization is looking for. 
So I know a lot of people get upset in AKC because the masters are not really like hunting <laughs> because the distances are longer and the demands are and you can't talk and all that stuff. I understand that. But they don't pretend to be just like hunting. They're hunt tests because they've taken the skills of hunting and and like I've always said before, you know, you can drive around the, the city in your Volkswagen, but then there's NASCAR, right? Just because you can make cars like, like that and drive that fast. You know, does NASCAR have any practical applications? Nope. Well, materials and engineering kind of cool, but they don't have, but it's just because you can. And that's the same thing as these hunt tests evolve. You know, the dogs are so good. The trainers are getting so good. And it, it says you can just keep asking more and more. That's why it's that way. So if you don't like it, don't run it. But if you do, play the game. If you want to go drive NASCAR, better get a NASCAR vehicle and learn how to do that kind of stuff. So uh, if you're going to play, play the game the way it is, the way it's set up to the standards of that organization. Not your standards. Not my standards. I'm going to be judging the Triple Crown in a couple weeks, right? I'm not going to go in there with what I think would be uh, a really cool thing. I'm not doing that. Uh, and the two people I'm judging with, I know, are not that way either. They're not going to go, oh, let's do an under-the-arc delayed double this and that. Nobody, we're not going to do that. We're going to, first thing you do, I think, in my opinion, when you are a good judge or a good, or somebody setting up, doing a setup, is you go and see where it is and see what the environment tells you. You're not looking to go do your setup in this location. Let's go see what the location says. What does the location offer in terms of where birds should be, where marks should be, where blinds should be, where birds are thrown so they can see them or they're hard to see or whatever your objective is. But you don't just go in there and go, I like this kind of a deal, so I'm going to do it over here. I, I've never, I, I don't know how that can possibly happen. But if you go over there and then you, you look at the place, the place kind of starts telling you, if you've done much of this, what, where would be a good place to do this kind of stuff. So in my opinion, that's what judges do. They don't just already know what they're going to do because that means I know and I want to test my idea on these. You got to go and let where you are tell you what you need to test on and use to the full ability the land and the terrain where you are or the water and the cover and the trees and all that stuff so all the good judges i've ever seen they walk up and, and you just see them they walk around they're doing stuff but they're they're taking in the environment like i told the handler and dog to do when you're going to do a setup go feel what the judges felt when they set that thing up because you can um, if it's a good setup, you can do that. So you kind of let where you are tell you what's good. And then you do that instead of, I like an under the arc behind the this, this and that. I like to do that. I, you know, then I, you're just a person out testing you, concepts that you have a thing for, for some reason. That's not a good judge. Good judges, if we're going to be bird hunting right here, this is kind of what would happen. This is where the birds would go. And we're going to do this. So that's one thing on being a good judge. The other thing, in my opinion, about being a good judge is you understand, the, again, the, the goal of the organization. Are we doing a field trial thing where if they go on the wrong side of the gun, you're out of the placement? Uh, you know, most of the hunt test stuff that I'm talking about here, that's not, you know, you don't even have like a gun, a gun station necessarily. Everything's kind of camouflaged and hidden. 
So it's, in other words, it's, did they mark the bird? Did they mark where the bird went and, and make as direct a, a, a beat to it as they could? You know, are, are we judging marking? Are we going to judge? And here's a really key thing that I don't know that uh, especially newer judges actually really consider. Very often when people are kind of new to this and they've, they've learned how to run doubles and, and blinds and oh, and they can do right behind the fire station blind and they do all this stuff. So they're all excited about that. But <laughs> so they're going to go out and set up and test training. You, now you're going to test the training. So any of the dogs that have been on a pro truck or have been, say, on technical ponds, you know, if you, if you can't train on technical ponds and then you're going to go run a test on technical ponds, your dog is going to look out there and go, what is this? Yeah, I mean, the picture isn't going to speak to them because they're not used to ins and outs and this and that that's, that you have in technical ponds. So if, if you, it, I have technical ponds, right? So my dogs all know that stuff. So I can go someplace else. They have technical ponds. My dogs aren't go, going, oh my gosh, what is that? But if you don't have that, if you're a regular person that does trains with the clubs and stuff on the weekends and you don't necessarily have access to that, should you be tested on that? See, I don't think so. I don't think that as judges in either of these organizations, okay, Master National, yeah, we're testing training. That's mostly pro or pro-trained dogs all the way anyway. Not all, but mostly. But certainly in the APLA, it's not all pro-trained dogs. Matter of fact, right now, still more amateurs running than, than pros in this thing. So as judges, we're not there to test, have they trained for this? Have they, you know, can we do a 100-yard shoreline, shoreline blind on these guys? then we're just testing training. And I don't think in hunting organizations, fine in field trials, that's all they're doing in field trials almost, that we should test training. So are we going to make sure that they've gotten, you know, that they can do these technical things and this stuff and they can be in a technical pond and they can angle entry and all this stuff? You know, some people really like that because they see it and they go, that's so cool. But a good judge is going to know whether they're testing for training of these dogs or whether they're trusting, testing for marking and handling. Now, does that mean if the, if the mark is across the water a little ways, it, that they should, are okay running around it? No, 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 no. At, the, at this level, at the national level, you gotta make a pretty direct thing at the bird. If you're gonna skirt all the way around the water, you probably shouldn't be there to begin with because at that level, dogs should, should have been trained, go at the bird. You just don't want to have him go at the bird at a far angle with all this technical stuff along the way where they have to angle shoreline, get on the point, get off the point, go along the edge. You, not necessarily that, but they do go as directly as they can. So yeah, if they run around the water, that's no good. But don't set up something that only somebody that can train on technical ponds all the time uh, can do. So good judges know the difference between testing, marking, and handling and setting up well-placed birds that really do test good marking and testing if the dog has had all the kinds of training that they think that they should have. So that's another big differential between a really good judge and, you know, somebody that's working their way uh, to that. You don't test for training. And finally, judges should not judge the handler. <laughs> the only, 
You should not judge the handler. You know, I've seen discussions where people are going, did you see what he did or she did? She should have done this and she did that. And, oh, you know, it's like you're not judging anything about what he or she did. You are judging what the dog is doing. Now, if they have the dog do something that is going to fail them, you know, if they lose them on the blind and they get out of the water or in the cover, out of sight or whatever, you know, that's unfortunate. But all you judge is what that dog is doing. The dog did not make direct progress on that blind, but wound up way off to the side and lost. And Okay, they're out. But you don't judge the handler. You don't judge if they put up their right arm and the dog went to the left. That's not a, that's not a, a cast refusal. It is not a cast refusal. Because you think that when the right hand goes up, it means this. Maybe they train differently. See, we're not testing for training here. We're not testing if everyone trains like you. So they may say different things and give different casts and all that. You don't judge what they do. Is the dog making progress toward the blind? Do they stop when asked to stop? And do they move when they're asked to move? Not what the handler, where the arm or what any of that stuff's going on. You don't judge what the handler does unless the handler begins to intervene with the dog in terms of intimidation or correction. Right? So if they intimidate the dog by yelling or by standing over it or by, you know, doing something that is changing or an attempt to change the behavior of the dog through the power of the person, right, that's, yes, then we judge that. You cannot correct. You cannot intimidate. Um, and that's, uh, judges that have been around know exactly when that happens. I mean, it, any experienced person knows when that is. But we don't, other than that, where you can't correct or, or uh, intimidate, you'd only judge the dog. So if you're judging in the upland field and the dog is just, is just brought up to a bird and then stops and then is given a woe and, and you can't, it doesn't, you're like, what is that dog doing? Okay, I, probably not going to be judged much as a point because that's point has to have some intensity initiated by the dog and all that stuff. And, you know, same thing on, on uh, everything else. They, the dog needs to do the work um, as prescribed, you know, in description of the, of the stake. But uh, we're just judging the dog. We're just judging the dog unless a handler intervenes. A handler can't on the upland field for pointing dogs. A handler can't cue the dog that there's a bird there. And the handler can't hold the dog there. I mean, make the dog stop. Once the dog has pointed a bird, they can quietly steady them not stand over them, scream in their ear, or otherwise basically intimidate that dog into remaining in, in, in place. But the dog has to do, we're judging the dog, unless the handler intervenes and makes it where, where you can't. So a, a good judge, one, knows what the big picture and the ultimate objective is. They use what they have available to the based on what's available as opposed to the setup that they love because they just really like testing this or that. That's an ego thing. And if you do that kind of stuff, I mean, I understand why you do it, but it's still not right. You know, go train on that all you want with your own dogs. But when you're testing everybody, they don't have to go through your criteria. They need to go through the organization's criteria in the location available. And so make the most of that. And again, as the judge, nowhere did the description of judge 
mean judge, jury, instructor, corrector, person that's going to tell you everything <laughs> that you need to do, that you need to work on. Not the purpose of a judge. So, you know, you are free to, a lot of judges, you, you, they just do it. They just love it. I have an opportunity to, to spew forth my great knowledge and you're going to be the recipient of it. But that's another sign of a, not a very good judge. You know, if somebody wants to come up later and you're renowned for knowing stuff and they want to ask, you know, but personally, I, I will tell you this, folks, for all the years I've been doing this, which is 40 now, um, the field stuff, I have never one time after I ran, gone up and asked the judge what they thought. You know, I got a placement. I got a pass. Um... I watch my dog. I know whether my dog, how they did. I know how I, I've made mistakes handling. You know, I know what that is. I, I, I've never asked anybody because I am so into the work that I do that, that I just am going to go with that way. And, and I, I never, when I judge, I, you know, I, if somebody wants to see their score sheet, it's like, oh gosh, okay, here we are. You know, and I'll explain to them why this was this way or why the score was that or whatever. But I'm still not going to tell them what they need to do in training. Um, and for even now, rarely, no one ever asked me, what do you think I should do? So I know they're not, they don't want to hear it from somebody that's judged, has two dogs that they've done and now is going to give them all the expertise. So I just caution judges and handlers, you know, this is not a learning place. This is a place where you're judged and that's the purpose of these people. So those are my two questions for uh, today. Kind of fast, probably. Um, I don't know that I can get back to this before the Triple Crown. I will if I can. Maybe I can. Um, my life is just crazy around here now with all the adventures that I have. But uh, So I'll try to get back. But after the Triple Crown, I'll just, I think I'll do a, a report on that. What it was like and how cool it was because... Watching those dogs is a lot of fun. So I hope that's helpful to people in terms of getting ready for all the big events coming up. At least think about it. Because you really do want to be very focused and very okay with yourself and with your dog. And not the rest of the outside world getting you nervous or helping you out a little bit. So I look forward to hearing about results all over the place. And I hope everybody is having fun getting ready for all the end of the season. And I will be back. I'll report on G because she's just running a uh, hunt test now. And let everybody know how she's doing. So everyone take care. Be safe. And it's almost hunting season. <laughs>